Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. I'd be probably right now. I like to start of all of these because they all begin with um, uh, me wondering if we go live. <laughs> it begins that way. I think we are live, though. I think we are. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Brooke with Certified Life Coach Institute. Um, and we have a special and amazing guest with us here today. We have Lisa Fink, who I'm just going to introduce you. Um, is a couples coach pro and she's been couples coaching for a very long time and an expert and she's also the owner of certified life coach institute and we're going to talk to her today about couples about coaching about all kinds of awesome stuff like that so um hi and welcome everybody um let's begin so lisa tell me a little bit about uh we'll tell everybody about how you got to couples coaching. What made you start couples oh, coaching? Gosh. It's a long <laughs> journey. <laughs> it's a long journey. I have forever been interested in relationship work. Um, I started, luckily, I was able to start back in my 20s, taking all the fun uh, seminars and webinars. Well, they didn't have webinars, but seminars um, with Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, um, uh, among bunches and bunches of other directions. Um, when I, back in the day, was taking my certification in coaching, trying to decide, well, what the heck was I going to do with this? <clears throat> I didn't even come up with the idea. <laughs> Somebody else told me about couples work, and I should do that. Um, my first response was, no, are you crazy? I'm not going to sit in front of these two arguing. Okay. Short story version. I tried it. It worked beautifully. And oftentimes what I will say, it's like this, the seeds parted and the angels came down this thing. It just really worked well together because having two people, um, sitting in front of with me, cause I'm an in-person coach sitting in front of me interacting, um, about their relationship just provided a whole lot of more clarity with the concept of the relationship and what did they want to do with it um, than when it was just by themselves. So would you really say, well. would, would you say that when you like, when you finally find that niche, that moment, that, that amazing thing that it's fairly common for coaches to feel that, Oh, moment. <laughs> Absolutely. And not only that, oftentimes many coaches will switch who they are in their coaching practice because what happens for them is once you've gotten let's say a culture that comes to you that recognizes you as a safe space that culture may need to have more um have more people that need that assistance so the word of mouth starts traveling and so that oftentimes is what happens for most coaches for me mine didn't change mine since I was in my 20s I've been always about relationship so generally speaking I would expect what you start with is not always what you really bring home in the coaching practice um uh so in being a relationship coach um 
what's so what's the difference between just life coaching and relationship coaching? How do how do we not, not a whole lot? Yeah, not a whole lot. Other than you know, you have to have wisdom about what it means to be in significant other relationships. One of my uh, gurus, John Gottman, um, John and Julie Gottman. I love how they have researched a lot of the material that they present. Um, they have reinvented a lot of material that's been around and around and around. That's, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's kind of common, right? Like people, I mean, they reinvent things um, and that's not a bad thing, right? Mm-mm. It just makes it, you can hear it with fresh ears, mm-hmm. an opportunity to hear it differently, an opportunity to get a piece that you didn't pick up when somebody else re uh, revitalizes the material. Um, I love Michelle Weiner Davis, especially for infidelity. Um, she, her book, and I, I believe it's infidelity. I might be missing a word. The thing that I enjoy about her perspective when she shares um, her information is that she's taking both parties mm-hmm. and not making one a bad person and one a good person or, or victim. Yeah. And it yeah, is yeah. what it is. Let's, let's figure out where to go forward from here. Um, it's tough. So yeah, that's a big one, right? When it comes to relationships, that's a big one, infidelity. Um, yeah. And it's one that, that uh, is hard to, for people to get past or through or even have the desire to, right? The betrayal um, feels deep. It's a betrayal that when you are surprised by that betrayal mm-hmm. becomes overwhelming and oftentimes people can't get over it. Though the ones that do get over it, or I don't mean to say get over it because you never get over it. Mm-hmm. It becomes a building block for the next phase of what this happens with this relationship. It, it becomes a building block in a way that the relationship can be a better relationship. That's what I was just going to ask, yeah. Can it improve? From it because mm-hmm. the work is now being done where the work wasn't being done before. So, Maybe some blaming or shaming could have been going on kinds of concepts. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. So if that happens in a, in a relationship, I mean, the, the instinct is always to just get angry and, you know, you know, split or run or sometimes, I mean, there's many things that go on, but what do you suggest is like the best first step uh, when something like that happens? Realize that it's going to take a huge commitment, a huge commitment to get through it. Mm-hmm. to the other side of it. Um, It takes about two years for that healing process. So to have patience, Mm -hmm. it takes for the person who committed the infidelity behavior to realize that the person who feels cheated on and betrayed have a lot of questions. Um, And in those questions, they're going to be repeated questions because they're looking for um how did i miss this how how can i be sure to catch it again next time i don't want to be a fool again so they are looking for the signs for in a sense for them to be educated to not miss the mistake or make that mistake again so when it comes to trust because you're i mean you're talking about that feeling like a fool that that whole thing when it comes to trust um is it 
is it possible to have that in multiple um, areas? Can 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 while you yeah. have it rocked over here, you can still trust over here, or how does that work? Definitely, as you're bringing out, there's there's trust like you would trust some trust your partner with your children, but going out to um, have drinks with friends, maybe not so much in that area, mm-hmm. or you trust them. Um, that they care and love you, but you don't trust to the depth or you, you know that they're supportive of the family and you with each other. There's just a variable trust where you're connecting and, um, not able to really just be, in a place where the relationship hasn't mattered, that the family came first, that's the trust, but the mm-hmm. relationship is faltering because there isn't that trust. There's just so many different dynamics that you can break into this. There's um, the trust. When you think of trust, what are your thoughts when you attach that, when you have an attachment to trust? What are your thoughts? Um, when it comes to trust, uh, I know that something, it's something that can be built and I know that it's something that can be broken. And I know that it's something that can take a long time to build, uh, at times. And then I know that it's something that could quickly be broken as well. But I also know that it's a choice too. So it's something that I choose who I trust and who I don't trust. And I know that it's a product of me. And my experience, right? Um, so uh, for me, sometimes it's harder to trust. Uh, and that's something that has, in some areas, let's just say, in some areas, but in other oh. areas, I can just dive right in. <laughs> oh, and that's kind of the important piece is there are some relationships you immediately go into trusting Mm -hmm. and there's some other relationships that have to have that stepping stone and that oftentimes and we're not therapists we're not acting as a therapist but a lot of that if we just having a conversation has to do with when we look at somebody else it's through our psychology of who we are versus necessarily who they are. It's always being put through an us filter, right? Like you and I. So how I perceive things is always going to come into play when it, even when we're looking at somebody else and we, um, is there, is that ever something you can ever fully get past? No, right. You'll, there'll always be a degree of subjectivity. I, I, I think right? there's always going to be a degree, but I think the more work that you were have with yourself and do with yourself, the more opportunity you have to recognize those moments so that you can um, make a decision to recreate whatever that moment is. Uh, oftentimes it becomes um, a decision moment that can become more efficient the more often uh, you have challenged yourself to have that grow. So I'm going to, um, uh, I want to bring this back to coaching in a moment, but before I do, so one thing that I um, have found when it comes to, to trust and, and things like that, and um, is there's also this feeling of um, making things right or needing to, to, to change the past, but you can't do that, right? But that's sort of, but there's, uh, when in like infidelity or, or even any situation where somebody feels like they were wronged or they always, it's, um, 
I have found there's like a culture or a feeling of make this up to me. How are you going to make this better? How is there going to be a wave a magic wand and make it all go away? But that's simply you can't change the past. Right. So no, I, the, the, the feeling that that person is saying is I want to trust you again and I don't know how to do it. Okay. One of the things that you're bringing so, up is forgiveness, right? As really quick, but I really want to point say that one more time for me. So what is oh. what's being said is, um, uh, oh, I really want to know that I can trust you, and I don't know how to do that. So how and that's that is coming through and saying make it. How are we gonna? How can you make it up to me? Or how is this? You know, that's that's what you should be hearing in lieu of whatever it is they're actually saying. What they're really saying is, I want to learn. I want to know how we can trust each other again, right? I, I, I think that's the bottom message of all of that. Okay. I don't think at times we know how to deliver messages that we're really trying to say, because if we're still trying to protect our own heart, while we, while we are trying to work on things, things get misinterpreted. And that's mm-hmm. part of what the coach, what I, my job is, is to help if you will, be an interpreter for the relationship because I don't have those feelings, right? I'm not attached to the outcome of the interaction between the couple. I'm there to provide the service of helping them get what they want. And part of that typically is, is to open up that communication so that they're hearing each other with fresh ears and not as much as their own herded, herded, like that word, hurt psyche experience, but here in a different way that allows them to make some decisions. So you and I have had a lot of conversations. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I would love to touch on that I think would be a good tool for people is, so what you have had moments where you just have um, clients that just don't want to do the work, right? They just, it's frustrating, right? How do you manage that? Like, how do you, as a coach, how do you, one, deal with that feeling of why aren't they doing the work? And two, get, what do you do to get them to start doing the work? You just sort of address that. Finding out what motivates them, what they really want out of this, finding out um, their bells and whistles in this process. They all have a reason to go through it. Um, Sometimes with a couple, it's the ultimatum, right? And the other person is feeling like they're in trouble. But once they get in there to the coaching session, they realize it's a neutral territory mm-hmm. that no one's on e- either one of their sides. And But I am on both of their sides at the same time, as I say that. It, it's about finding that space for someone to hear you differently, that right there in any coaching session, not just couples, but any coaching session creates such a space that they want to do that growth. Mm-hmm. The problem where many times for many individuals occurs is when they leave my office. Yeah. How do they bring it home and do the work there? And not feel like they've gotten in trouble. A lot of times relationships, they'll blame each other for doing it wrong or not, not doing it according to what they said in the office or, and you can go down that slippery slope of all the different or options. But couples that actually do the work 
you see the work coming back in to the office, you see the transitions that occur. When they're more forced, and I say forced at home, like during this virus situation that we're going through, some of the couples where they kept trying to create time together, but weren't doing it, they're forced to create time together. Mm-hmm. To, to some couples better, and to some couples, the, you know, it didn't go quite so well. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you do with your time. If you want to work through things, being able to have a conversation, we all have our psychology. We all get angry over silly words. We get angry over silly moments. Usually the deeper moments, uh, um, you know, bigger p- problems tend to be easier to solve than some of the little nitpicky stuff that we constantly go through all the time. So mm-hmm. how do we, so if I'm, a, if I'm your client, how do we help help them get past in those angry moments? Like, you know, if I, we're couples, we're having all these little nitpicky angry moments where the littlest things are driving us crazy. Yeah, how do we, how do you help your client get through that um, in a session or, you know, so that they can go home and, and, and. The cool, not, the cool, the cool thing is I'm, pretty good at hearing what the person is saying Mm -hmm. in the moment, Mm -hmm. even if that's not what came out of their mouth. Okay. So I will get into reflection. So part of who you become as a coach with a little bit more time under your belt is you start able to read the patterns that are showing up. Not that I'm telling my client who they are. I'm not saying that. But as I hear the patterns and what's being said, the underlying message comes out. And so so when I reflect that underlying message that I've heard them say out loud and check in with them, it's, it's pretty much been accurate. So as I get that accurate message that they're trying to share, but not quite saying, the other person can hear it differently. So can we, can we give an example? Could I, could we do a little example? So, um, mm-hmm. or if, or, I mean, you're talking about, so that you'll start to see the patterns, right? But a lot yeah. of times we as a client don't see those patterns, recognize those patterns, or sometimes don't even want to acknowledge those patterns, right? Um, so how, how, uh, how do you reflect that back in such a way that isn't, I guess, because they know you're neutral, right? Yeah. That moment? They don't, so, they don't aren't taking it that I'm saying somebody's wrong. We, we spend actually a lot of time uh, at different phases of our interaction about discussing what neutral is and what my job is, is that I'm not taking sides. So yeah, what, I, I was going to say, see, can you tell me what neutral is? What is neutral? <laughs> um, because, okay, so you know how that old uh, ball that we used to talk about, this side's red, this side's blue, right? Mm. We talk about We talk about how perspective creates their point of view. Mm -hmm. And in that perspective, no one's wrong. Mm -hmm. However, it might not work for me. So we work on how to have a conversation where this doesn't work for me versus you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for people to let go of, I think, a lot of times is that concept of I'm right, you are wrong, right? Especially in relationships, because some people can get so caught up in that mindset of our society is built on right and wrong. We're, yeah, divisive as, I mean, mean, that is our human beings. It's not even just society. I mean, that's, we categorize, period. 
I was actually just talking to somebody about this. So, um, well, I mean, if you think about it, if, if we're wrong, then back in the day, we're eaten by a bear or something. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a product right. of survival. So we, we have, have to have. Oh, no, I'm frozen or you're frozen. Somebody's frozen. I don't know. Um, okay, well, hopefully it's if it's me, I'm still talking. Uh, we were talking about, I'm going to assume that it's Lisa, and I'm just going to keep going. Uh, hopefully we get Lisa back here any moment. Let me check real quick right here. Um, but uh, talking about being divisive and uh, how we categorize as human beings um, and we go between, we choose between um, what can keep us safe and what can be dangerous. And that's how we, that's judging. And actually judging is very natural and very normal for us as people. Um, I'm trying to figure out what go, is going on with Lisa. We lost her somehow. Um, oh, she's gone. Okay. Well, hopefully she'll come back. Um, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to just say, uh, let's see here. Hi, guys. Well, hopefully Lisa comes back. We'll wait a minute. In the meantime, um, oh, there she is. Yay. <laughs> uh, hi, welcome back. <laughs> Internet. Uh, let's get you unmuted. You have your mute on. Mute. There we go. So we were just talking about um, how we as human beings judge um, and actually how while we say that being judgmental is a bad thing. And as coaches, we specifically ask people to, to not have judgment, uh, especially towards their clients. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's something we have to do, right? And it's common. Um, okay, you can I hear you now? I should be able to hear I you. I hope so, I hope so. Yay! <laughs> I'm jibber-jabbering away. <laughs> so um, we were just talking about how we were, how people are divided and um, between, you know, good and bad, light and dark, but the gray areas are often uh, ignored or if not ignored, uh, not acknowledged, but that's a product of survival uh, in many ways, right? Well, I mean, we've had to, we've had to, we've had to, we have never come with an owner's manual that says to be in a great relationship, follow these guidelines. I Why mean, doesn't that exist? Us, <laughs> most of us did not learn how to do that. We had to learn on our own what that meant. Well, or, Mm -hmm. It's not fair to say that there is one way that's going to work all the time either, right? Because everybody's different and two people are going to interact differently. Might, there might be commonalities, but what's right for two might not be right for another two, right? Well, and, and how boring if we had an owner's manual because everybody would be the same. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and all the artistic people out there would have a hard time with it. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we're, we're not built to be exactly the same. We're not built to always be in a relationship that's complementary um, to who we are. Sometimes relationships are meant to challenge who we are. Well, that's when we grow, right? I mean, that's um, a growth moment is when you're in a relationship and you guys have a rocky time. If you come out of that, a lot of times it's a lot stronger uh, as a the, result. The, the, the opportunity during a rocky time to grow is important the patience with each other once you realize what the new direction is that's where your patience has to come um, full strength because you have already learned how to be together and that's pretty ingrained i mean if we think 
I like to use these words, neuron knitting. If your neurons are knitting a pattern, right, your pretty well established pattern up to this point is what it's been. Mm -hmm. When you now have the growth education that you're speaking about, then the next pattern is a new pattern and not an established pattern. And it's something that you must work at, practice, remind each other, have care and concern with each other. It'll feel uncomfortable, right? It's going to, I mean, because you might be comfortable in unhealthy, right? You might be uncomfortable or in something that's not working, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's going to, you have to sort of embrace that, know that it's going to be, and then be patient. (laughs) Well, so with any pattern, it takes time. So Mm -hmm. sometimes patterns, for whatever reason, click really quickly. Mm-hmm. Other patterns take quite a while before they are established as a as a go to pattern. I mean, so, with with the way the brain works too, right? It, it's good that things get a little rocky because we're more inclined to create patterns when we're uncomfortable. It's a little easier on us uh, in our brains. From what you I mean, know. new patterns. Yeah, new patterns. Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there is a theory that people play around with the more if you if you're coming in a fear and change a pattern i don't agree with that theory as much i think it can create change quickly mm-hmm. but i don't think it's long lasting okay for the most part i think any there's a there's the bell curve and then there's the outliers the outliers are always going to argue with that statement mm-hmm. but in the general bell of a uh, concept when you make a change in fear, you're going to be fearful, right? Yes. Or it's not going to stick because it's only a temporary moment that you're doing it when you're in fear. Or you'll carry that fear with you. So then you have to retrain yourself. Because I mean, really, uh, what we do when we're afraid is how that that gets ingrained. This is well, now I'm afraid I'm going to react this direction, right? right. Um, so I, so- as a coach because of all the different trainings that I've had, I pull all of that, those pieces. I don't say that to my clients. I provide that support of understanding. And remember I said, I'm an interpreter because I've had that training. I can interpret for the most part or, or get them to interpret it for me in a way that opens up the dialogue between the couple. Have you ever had a couple that just, um, it just, that just did not, it just wasn't working. Like, uh, you know, it's just not going to. Yeah. So in my corner, in my back pocket, I have a therapist that I use around the corner because there's psychology history. Okay. Typically um, needs different things than I as a coach can address. And so I refer to that therapist what are um what is what would you say is the 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 number one tip uh, or thing you should do as a couple to make keep keep things progressing forward in a positive way (laughs) you know i i think we are all kinds of couples we've got couples that rarely argue and this is gottman's model that i'm Mm -hmm. sharing with you um we've got couples that rarely argue we've got couples that you know, argue here and there, and that couples that argue all of the time. At the end of an argument, if you turn away from each other and run away, that's the couple that aren't going to do very well. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other couple that eventually come back and open the dialogue with a connection, those are the couples that tend to survive and work through issues. 
And that's because they're able to, right? I mean, the ones that run aren't, they're not there to make it, have to be able to, right? <laughs> and and they, it's work. It's work to be in a relationship. It's not just, you know, I've heard the statement, well, it shouldn't be this hard. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard yes, to be in a relationship. I think that's an important point, really, is that it's 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 you have to make that's what making a commitment is, right? You're you're you have to realize that it's not always gonna be easy, but you've made the commitment, right? But it also shouldn't always be hard, which okay. I think is what they're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this moment, they're in the heightened state of it just feels hard all of the time. Yeah. There's gotta be moments where it's light, the levitiness, the friendship the connection, the get out of our own way and realize that we're, we're essentially sabotaging a relationship when we just are in that heavy all the time. It's taking a break from heavy. We don't mm-hmm. need to be working on the relationship at all times. Mm-hmm. Segregate a, t- a time that we do the work on the relationship and then make sure we're expressing friendship and connection and growth in other areas of our relationship as well. If we only are focusing on the the part that we're trying to grow, we're going to get too sucked into that, which doesn't allow us to be balanced in that process. So it's all about balance, like in everything. Us as a coach are trying to help them find their balance. So I've asked you this question before. What in a relationship what is the most important thing? Is it love? Is it commitment? Is it balance? Is it respect? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's a different scale at different times, depending mm-hmm. on what you're working with. Mm-hmm. But that commitment is key, right? Uh, I mean, the commitment. So there's, there's a point of a deal breaker, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You have to know when you're, I can't do this. You have to know yourself. Um, is that something that people should lay out beforehand? Like, is that something that when we realize, oh, this is a deal breaker for me, we should write it down so we remind ourselves so that we know it conclusively? Or, yeah, that, yeah I mean, um, I just know there have been moments where I've been, I've had my deal breaker and I've let it breeze by. You know? <laughs> um, and then it visits again. And then, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So is there a tip or a trick to remember in that moment or stay strong or is it just something you just got to do it? So sometimes some people can in that moment have a conversation. If Mm -hmm. you are both able to in that moment have a conversation, then you have a conversation. This doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. What What can we do differently? And I'm using we because I'm not having the back and forth conversation, but it Uh has to be a we discussion. What can we do differently that allows me to be me and you to be you and still blend uh, the direction that we're trying to go towards? It becomes a conversation. It doesn't need to be, I told you this is a deal breaker and I, it's a conversation. Well, that's a that's a pointy. I mean, that's a you moment. That's something we teach in life coaching. You, I statements. I statements. Yes. <laughs> if this doesn't work for me. Here's what does work for me. And part of that is you've got to know who you are, and where you matter, and what your standards are, and what your expectations are, and what your. So notice I'm. And that's your boundaries and your. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can, you do you do that work as a, as, I mean, even though you're working with couples, mm-hmm. you must come, there must come points or times when you are, have to do that work with, mm-hmm. with your couples sort of individually as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you? Mm-hmm. Usually I will meet with the couple the first few times because as we're getting the groundwork, we're trying to understand who they are. They're trying to understand who I am. Um, the process of um, there's times that they need to share something and never when they are come into me with individually while they're coming to me as a couple, I make sure that they know, even though this is coaching, um, we're still in the trio. We're still in the, in the couples coaching, even though they come in by themselves. So anything that is shared within this pairing can be shared when we're the trio again. Okay, so that's so something about that's obviously secret. that's a line that you must make have to make clear very early on. But that if we do individual sessions, it's not that there's going to be any kind of, or well, you just give them uh, no expectation of um, confidentiality uh, in the individuals. Essentially, that it could right. come up in the in the couples regardless. So, however, if they stop coming to me as a couple and one of them just comes to me, then there is confidentiality. So as a couple's coach, can you see, you can see one person. Can I, like, if I just wanted to come with you, but my my significant other didn't want to, um, I could still see you as a couple's coach, yeah. even though I'm not a couple, bringing my couple with me. <laughs> change tends to be slower mm-hmm. with that, but change can still happen. Um, I kind of use this example, if I had a rubber band, right? Mm-hmm. And I kept pulling it taut and taut and taut what's eventually going to happen snap or the other person will come along come along yes okay yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm. so it, it either snap that this is no longer working for us as a couple or the other person will start oh i recognize there's change i really appreciate that change let's go do more change that's the opportunity so so in a couple if i'm making positive change that can absolutely influence and the other person to make positive change as well. Yeah. Um, if we can influence each other in negative stuff, we can certainly influence each other with positive, positive stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> Although we don't notice it or recognize it quite as often as we do the negative stuff. That negative, what we're calling negative, and that's an attachment to whatever it is that we desire or don't desire. Um, that tends to get more attention than the positive stuff negative brain bias (laughs) the negative brain bias we i mean there's a theory that we as human beings tend to focus on the negative again another product of survival and that you in knowing that when you know that you can choose to be happy like you can choose to not focus on the negativity but you have to first come to the realization that you might have a negative bias um in some regards well and it's not let me forget what my boundary is just Uh so I can see the happy moments. It's being able to see the moments that have transpired that are equally as important as the things that we want to change are. So, so what's more important, the little things or the big things in relationships? (laughs) I, I think the little things are, Mm-hmm. I think the little things get so overlooked that they become bigger things okay. and become then a power struggle, which is the big thing mm-hmm. and get it, 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 So when I, when we go to the, 
the big thing. It's important. I'm not saying it's not, but it's the little things that built up this resentment to become this blossom of a big thing. Well, and they also can build up on a positive side. They can, the little things can build up trust, right? It's, it's trust is really built in the little things and doing them consistently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people will refer to Gary Chapman, um, his five love languages. And I think that's a great start. And just because in the moment you identify with one of the love language doesn't mean you're going to stay in that love language. But oftentimes when we are trying, and I call them tanks, we're trying to fill the other person's tank up with our own love language. Mm -hmm. And it fails because they don't recognize it as their tank getting filled. They recognize it's a nice thing, but it's not their fuel. And I will often say, imagine diesel fuel with unleaded fuel. So yeah. I'm trying to put diesel fuel in your unleaded tank. It's going to blow up. Yeah. It's not going to well, work. So what you're saying is if I, my love language is, let's say my love language is uh, action or touch or, you know, um, and then my, my significant other's love language is speech or talk. Uh, right. Um, I shouldn't try to fill up their tank with, with whatever my language is, right? So if yours is um, uh, touch mm-hmm. and and his is words of affirmation and you're trying to, you know, hold his hand and mm-hmm. give him a hug, that's your tank mm-hmm. that needs, that's the feeling that your tank needs. Mm-hmm. His tank in this predicament is I need words of affirmation. I'm doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You're... Um, uh, validation. You're, you're, when you, I'm facetious here, when you take out that trash, it, I so appreciate it because it's one less thing that I have to do. Mm-hmm. When you take the time to, um, I noticed that you took the time that you made the bed. So, words of affirmation while they're doing acts of service. Right. So it's watching how you interact with each other. And just uh, being able to, to identify as much. Right. Um, uh, what would you say is the, the most common problem couples come to you with? They just don't communicate. They, they just, just have a resentment. And you can put whatever shade on resentment the way that they think it's important. It all has to do with the lack of patience, mm-hmm. lack of growth in that moment and trust, you know, while they may trust other things, they don't trust the person's got their back in some fashion. So, so how do you, how do I uh, foster that? How do I foster pay? How do I create patience or make myself patient? Um, because that can, or, or, and, and make myself trusting or trust them. I mean, are there any tools you would recommend trying or doing? So it usually you go back, we go back to the coaching skill, asking them questions. When they felt like somebody didn't have patience with them, how did they feel? What would they have done differently? How would they have wanted someone, right? So it just goes back to that same coaching skill. 
to build the patience. What is patience? The definition of what is patience. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, patience is going to look different on different people. Mm-hmm. So understand their nuance and what that difference is and how do we build that. So that What does patience look like for you? <laughs> what does yeah. patience look like for you, Lisa? For, for me? Yeah. <laughs> for me, patience looks like letting me be quiet mm-hmm. for a moment. Um, letting me be able to share with you what's affecting me, letting me know that I've been heard, Um, letting it be okay that I may have gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just multifaceted. Patience means where I can have a breath. Mm Patience might sometimes mean I just need to be alone with an animal and just be petting my animal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> so patience and even any given situation could be different. If we are in a car, how do we define patience there? Because mm-hmm. it can change based on, yeah, no, absolutely. I might need to be quiet or I might need to express. And this is something that you would recommend, uh, like things like this, like uh, you would recommend sort of trying or at least in the moment or when it happens, defining what that looks like or I mean, what. So if I'm quiet, it's just because of X, Y and Z. Please be patient. um, So we what we'll do is we'll come up sometimes with some safe words mm -hmm. and the safe word says this equals all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll define what patience is. And I say banana. Banana means in the moment I need to be able to express myself or I need to be quiet. But don't, you know, don't judge me on this and don't run away. Well, you've and you've helped me with this. We for me, we did a red light, green light thing like or red light green light yellow light <laughs> just so that we could sort of identify because one of the things I have is I have trouble identifying how I'm feeling in the moment or where it's taking me or if we're getting frustrated and uh so did my significant other and so we asked okay so if we're starting to feel like we're gonna kill each other um before we get to that point can we just say red light yellow light green light essentially just to, sort of as a check-in and to know where we're at in that state emotionally um and it worked so thank you (laughs) some some people can use the scaling question that one to ten that we coaches have learned in level one one to ten on your frustration level and ten's the most frustrated so what do you right now what do you do if you have your significant other wants just doesn't even want to work with you just isn't wanting to talk to you is not doing any of the the things you have all this great intention but if that other person how do you handle that? So we have to talk about what your boundaries are mm-hmm. and what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, and you, and so we would have to define your boundaries. And just uh, how long, I get it depends on the person, how long you would stay in that situation, how long it's up to them, right? And what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with, correct? Part of a boundary is, is I have to accept you. Mm-hmm. So if you and I were in a relationship, if we were in a relationship, <laughs> And I have said, this doesn't work for me. And you have repeatedly crossed that. It's either I have to accept that that's who you are and that's Mm -hmm. going to be part of our relationship. Or I have to share with you that can't be. Or I have to figure out what a boundary, if you're going to do that, what do I need to do 
so I'm not in the moment of it. Or, I mean, you can go on going down to, you know, getting out of the relationship. But most people aren't wanting to get out. They just want to know what to do in a moment that's not acceptable for their being. So in the first case, how is that for me, it is something that's, that can be difficult, right? I, I'm trying, I can be a bit of a, a control, you know, so a, a, a person, so <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say that nicely. Um, uh, but so having to learn to accept somebody and accept that they may not do things the way you do things or, um, that can be really difficult sometimes, can't it? So are, are there any tools that, I mean, any any tips or recommendations to do to help you accept that? Or is it just something you just have to catch yourself in the moment? So we, uh, you're asking a lot. Oh, <laughs> see, I, see, I knew it was hard. The, the bottom line is, is keep it simple. Mm-hmm. We, as a human culture, we overcomplicate everything. We over we have a tendency to overthink things mm-hmm. into what isn't really true. Yeah. And so it is keep it back to the basic basic. What is the basic important piece of what you're sharing here? Mm-hmm. What is the important piece? What is the outcome that you want? And so it's always bringing it back to the coaching model. What is it you have where you are right now? Mm-hmm. And that imagination, where do you want it to go? What are the steps in between? What's your first step? Sometimes people need to go the other way. They have the full picture and they have to work backwards before they can understand what the next step is. Go ahead. Oh, so that makes sense. So sometimes, let's say that again. So sometimes people can, they can, they can be here, but they don't know how they got there. So they have to work backwards in order to know what the next step is. Yeah, I use macro and micro. There's times that the microscope works really well to look at a particular instance. And, and there's time that a macroscope or a macro, uh, macro and now I'm struggling, the macro lens is going to pull things out. So you're going to get a more global concept versus the microscope, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that we sometimes, when we're looking at an event, looking at it where there's a bigger pieces of it and work backwards is helpful than looking at the micro pieces, the smaller pieces and working up to the macro. Would you say that with coaching, one of the things that we always talk about is that it's uh, what we do is we look forward. We don't look backwards. We don't ask why we ask how we ask um, uh, in relationships I know that a lot of people have a tendency to keep reliving the past and and working, looking backwards, but is it just as important or more important to um, be looking forward and have goals and do the thing, those kind of things? So a couple, you oftentimes thinks that they have to rehash and rehash and get the other person on their side. Of course they messed up. Of course they did. Right. And, and everybody still has their own perspective. So digging in that history, the only thing, I read this somewhere a long time ago and it stayed with me, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. In order to move forward, basically you have to give up all hope Then anything can change back then. Mm-hmm. Nothing's gonna change back then other than how you interpret it today. Mm-hmm. How you inter- what, what do you wanna do with that today? 
what's important for you to learn here? Well, I never want to do that again. Okay, if you never want to do that again, what steps from here do we need to move? To make sure that it doesn't. Right, so this is avoiding pain. We're moving away from pain versus going even towards pleasure. Mm -hmm. So at some point, we'll start moving towards the pleasure, usually. But that's just, at that point, you're still working through releasing or uh, the pain, getting away from it and moving towards. Would you find that that um, as couples reach those steps, as they, they set a goal and they start to work towards a goal and, and sort of did, they get closer, right? And that that, that past stuff matters less. Uh, yeah, well, it doesn't matter less. What it yeah. does not have, a, what I like to say is it have as much energy. Right? As much energy, okay. Um, exponentially, you know, this is really important right now. Tomorrow, it's not going to be as important. Right. The things that we go, this is a deal breaker. And right. We have all of these things. And then if we have the conversation tomorrow, you know, I was thinking about and this, I can work with this. This Mm -hmm. is still really important. So the more often we have small, frequent conversations, the better we will move towards the goal that we have for our couple. And this, this is good advice for any relationship, like for, for any life. It's not just like your, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, or this is just in, in work relationships, in family relationships, in friend relationships, practicing communication and, and patience. And it's good period across the board, right? <laughs> How many times we misunderstand each other, take something the other person said to some other exponential power which didn't mean that way you know we do that all of the time and that has to do with the way we were brought up and raised that's where I mean having the therapist as a coach having a therapist that I can refer people to work on that history stuff is important and not (laughs) coaching is not a replacement for Mm. therapy it's Mm -hmm a place where you get to do life, you get to grow, you get to go through changes, you get your happy spaces. You get, so it just helps with that movement. Um, it so, works really well together. Really quick, because I mean, uh, one thing I mentioned early on is Lisa, you own Certified Life Coach Institute. This is obviously a very important thing to you. You, you can, without a doubt, call yourself an expert in the field of life coaching. Um, um, by definition, because you're, you're saying that therapy is not a replacement for it. What do you define life coaching as? It is the day-to-day hand-holding, if you will. And I don't mean literally hand-holding. It's support. That someone you can turn to who you feel safe, you don't feel judged by, you're able to bounce ideas off, you're able to really discover who you are and who you and where you're going and who you're meant to be and how you want to, right? It's just a place where you're in a safe space and can figure it out the direction that you want to go. I don't think there's one definition, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, so if I'm somebody who is considering becoming a life coach and it's not, I'm not sure I'm on the fence. It's something I've heard of. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm not sure if I want to do it. Maybe I was in a similar field or I'm changing my job. Um, do you have, have, what do you recommend those people 
do research or if how you to never ever wanted to be a life coach this is a great class just to have self grow mm -hmm. you want to be a life coach we're going to help you understand the meaning of what it is the direction uh, to stay on our side I say our side of the fence versus licensed side of the fence. And you're going to see some amazing opportunities that show up in front of you. It's the, it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> well, I mean, I, the class itself is amazing. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chance to grow, really, and learn to communicate better and uh, connect with people and then learn how you can better connect with people. Um, and that's, that's, again, relationships, right? It's, it's, it will change how everything you interact. Is a, everything is a relationship. Mm -hmm. Everything and your perspective on what those things are is up to you. Mm -hmm. Having a coach will help you identify the direction you want to be going towards. Um, is there anything? Oh, if, real quick, I'll, I'll ask you this, even though we're we're short on time. Um, with being certified or getting certified, if I'm I'm gonna I'm a coach. Is certification? We do it three days, but. What is the benefit? Why get certified? What 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 does that do for me? Uh, so there's a multitude of things there as well. You're going <laughs> to understand a good portion of who we are as a coach. You're going to understand when to refer out when it's not your scope of practice. You're going to understand the practice of the skill building process. We take it, we built it in such a way that allows you to take it step by step and keep adding tools to the learning. You're going to live, sleep, breathe the process. Remember the neuron knitting I spoke about? So it's neurons are getting knitted and you're going to sleep on them. You're going to come back into them and we're going to do it again. Some, some coaches on Friday, um, the, the newer coaches, they just don't feel like they get it on Friday. Then Saturday, Oh, I got it. I got it. Some coaches Friday and Saturday, they go, I just, I don't know why I can't get this. And, but Sunday morning, a miracle happens. And that miracle is they got it. And that's the, the beauty. I think of doing a, an intensive is you get to live, sleep, breathe the process and it becomes more quickly organic. It, it, it's a learning so that you're moving through using the tools in a better way. Go ahead. And the practicing, the fact that we start, I mean, they, in class, day one, you're going to start coaching. Day two, you'll be coaching. Oh, yeah. Day three, you'll be coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that really uh, solidifies it. I was just reading something recently about um, uh, the experiential learning, right? So you can, you can, person can hear about it, probably not going to remember it. A person can um, learn, like read it and see it basically and they'll have a little bit more chance but when you actually experience it and do it um you it sinks in all the more and so the fact that this is a, a class where we are you're doing the do uh throughout the whole class it yeah. really sets in right and even online we're hitting most of all the modalities okay we're not eating the take you know we're not hitting uh, the olfactory or the you know we're not hitting those but we're we getting could be, though you know we could have everybody bake cookies there you go <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting as many of the learning modalities involved in the process 
so that it accommodates as many different learners as possible. There, there are some people that will come or be nervous about being online because they have some learning disabilities. And I've talked with them just to see how this is flowing for them because I understand uh, about learning disabilities and the moments when they are no longer checked in. And every one of them so far said, this has been riveting. <laughs> oh, awesome. They have just said, because we kept it engaging, because we interact with them, because we do all the things that we do, they didn't feel like they slept, slid through the cracks. Cracks, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so it worked. So- I mean, because we do, we check in with people. We want to make sure we ch- as much interaction as possible is really a big thing that with the classes uh, that, that is pushed and we have it on multiple levels, right? Yeah. Um, well, before to wrap up, is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to say to couples, people, coaches? You know what? <laughs> Just take it slow. Trust your instincts. Um, have the I matter. And, and how do I want to be defined? keep that in mind in all aspects and you do matter thank you for being here oh you matter too (laughs) um uh, thank you guys so much for watching we'll be here next week uh next week we'll actually be with our level two class um we're gonna have some people from that and dan so make sure you tune back in and to any alumni out there we'll be doing a watch party after this in our alumni group and for those of you who haven't already check out certified life coach institute uh, on facebook we're at the certified life coach institute and our website is certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com we certify life coaches in three days but more than that we help people learn how to better communicate and have better relationships in three days. So make sure you check us out uh, and like, follow, share, all of the good stuff. Uh, If you have any comments, questions, or anything, please leave them in the comment section and we will respond uh, to you. And thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.